Friends, welcome back to the Oklahoma drill. Here in this age of this age of darkness, this age of crisis, we've returned to you. Um, and if only we had good news. There's still no sports. There's even fewer sports, honestly. Um, and the seams in our society are really starting to show. They are moving that Jordan documentary up, ESPN is, so that's fun. Um, guys, what are we What are we even doing? Yeah, I was happy to see that that Jordan documentary was moved up. I'm not, like, you know, as excited as most people seem to be. Like, there was, I feel like, unreasonable amounts of excitement on my Twitter feed. Um, but <laughs> it's something to watch. You know, yeah. something sports related to watch. I do. I don't get into the whole like I'm not going to watch the NBA 2K tournament. I don't care anything about that kind of stuff. Um, I don't care how good Devin Booker is at Call of Duty. Sorry. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you're far I mean, better. you're so I, much better. Obviously, obviously much better than than uh, Devin Booker at Call of Duty. But no, the one place, uh, um, the one place um, where like um, athletes playing esports has been fun for me is the uh, world of racing, because uh, it's like I mean it's not the same, but it's basically the same. You know, it's like watching a race, but it's in a computer. Um, right. And so it's been fun to watch Virtual Formula One. Um, been very surprising to see uh, Thibaut Courtois become a staple of these events. Yes, um, Real Madrid goalkeeper, for those that don't know. Um, I would, since we're talking Formula One for a second, mm-hmm. um, I know last time we, we maybe mentioned it, but I know that Nathan has been watching I do. Drive, I have... Drive to Survive. Just yes. wondering on some, some quick thoughts about the, it's a good documentary, right? It is. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick thoughts. You know, I find it very, very funny that uh, after a questionable end of the 2018 season, whenever Daniel Ricardo left his team, uh, Red Bull, to go to Renault uh, on a new contract, he and by doing so, he basically bumped the, one of the drivers, Carlos Sainz, um, into another team uh, by doing so. And took his seat. Well, in the 2019 season, Carlos Sainz finished better than uh, Daniel Ricciardo, who's kind of a douche yeah. at the same time, which I just found very funny. So that's really my yeah. biggest takeaway. Oh man, the um, as someone who has sort of adopted Red Bull as a uh, as their team, first yeah. off, this has been a difficult time for me because the uh, director of Red Bull's youth driver program suggested just getting all their drivers together and just getting them all infected with coronavirus now (laughs) great idea this is a man whose name is dr helmut marco and he is exactly the kind of person whose name would be helmut marco oh is that that Um, was the guy that was like shitting all over pierre gasly right in season two um i think you're thinking of are you thinking of Christian Horner or no Christian Horner is the manager oh, or whatever. Right. Thing. Christian Horner's married to ginger spice. Uh, Helmut Marco. I'm assuming is probably the guy shooting over ghastly then. Yes. 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 Don't let that get lost in, in this discussion. Yes. The manager of Red Bull's racing team is married to a spice girl. Yes, that is important that's information. That's important info. 
So that's why people are listening to this podcast, actually. Um, <laughs> so I need, get, I need to get on the Formula One train. I've, I've like, I'll, I'll catch now. a race on ESPN every now and then and get invested in like. I know yeah. Lewis Hamilton like Sebastian Vettel yeah. and stuff, but I need to Hamilton get deeper into the I lore. Knew. Yeah, <laughs> the show's good. You, know, you watch should watch Drive to Survive, Sam. It's solid. It's solid. All right. See, it all started. It started with Ryan, and then Ryan got me to watch it, and then we both got Nathan to watch it, and now it's a we're spreading like coronavirus here. <laughs> oh, Drive to Survive. It's Formula One. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, a rough time in the world of formula one, but at least their sport pretty much translates one-to-one into the virtual world, right. which is not the case with basketball. Um, and so the NBA's 2k tournament, especially since just before we started recording, we found out it's going to be like one-on-one. It's just not going to be interesting. It's no, it's no. nothing. It's nothing. Zero interest. Uh, let's, let's get to some, some OU football news. Um, and then we have we have an OU football topic we're going to go through today. But um, I guess the biggest – well, I don't know if it's the biggest news, but some news is that OU got a commitment from a very tall defensive back last night. Um, very tall. He's six Incredibly threes. tall. Yeah, 6'3", six 6'4", six meaning he's probably a legit 6'2". Um, <laughs> he's Jordan, taller than Jordan Lincoln. Mukes. By, right, he know, is taller, amount, from, actually. taller than Lincoln. Um, so he committed last night. He's a defensive back from Choctaw, Oklahoma. Um, apparently Choctaw's producing division one talent now. That's new. Um, so what, what do we think about Jordan Mukes real quick, Nathan? Um, well, to me, I think it's all about potential. I mean, you look at the, the size it's undeniable. He's pretty much, I would think prototype of what, uh, Alex Grinch, uh, Roy Manning are looking for on the outside. I think he will not likely be either a nickelback. Um, I think he could be a corner, but he might bump into safety just due to uh, probably putting on some weight. But I think nickel is kind of where he uh, is his most natural fit. Um, but like you said, 6'4", super long arms. And the thing that's really interesting about him is he's only played one year of organized football. He's actually a big-time basketball guy that kind of uh, – got um, advised to move into football just due to his size and uh, his, you know, explosion. I mean, we, we were sharing some, uh, some images and whatnot of him uh, dunking and kind of what he's able to do on the basketball court. So I think that's really uh, what the draw is, how long his arm, how long his arms are, um, those things that can, you know, uh, get in uh, deflect and uh, get guys um, off their timing when they uh, come off the line, just things like that. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be a bit of a project just because he's played so little football. Um, but he's definitely your um, typical boom bust guy for sure. All right. I am, you know, you look at his size and his explosiveness. It's really intriguing. Um, I am finding the idea of a like fresh to football guy playing in the secondary kind of concerning. Um, oh yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, I could see it at corner, but you know, you think about the safeties or the nickel position, you have to be so capable of processing what is happening in front of you to play those positions successfully. And, you know, he could do that, but it's, you know, this isn't a situation where like 
you know, Jalen Redmond came in and right. it, it, from basketball and Charles Tapper, those kind of guys. Right. These are guys who, you know, they play defensive end right. where they have one job and they um, are able to do it really effectively. Um, and yeah, the I mean, secondary, you have so many roles and like so much ground to cover on any given play that you need to be able to make really quick decisions yeah. at the start of a play. And to be very decisive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think you're very, and I think you're kind of hitting on what kind of some of the questions that the staff had about him. Initially, he was going to be a guy that they evaluated over the spring and kind of came to a, to a conclusion at the end of spring, but they lost that opportunity uh, with everything that's going on and there being no spring ball. So I think they made the decision to say, look, he has these physical tools that are we just can't deny. And instead of risking waiting until you know the mid or late summer and potentially him, frankly, getting pissed at us and um, excluding us because we've been we took too long to offer him, we're just going to go ahead now. But I think in a perfect world, they would have liked to continue to evaluate him and see how he progressed from. Uh, year one into a spring and how much he was uh, how much better he was getting I think they also wanted to see him run track Uh, I think they I mean you can see the jumping ability um, the length and everything but I mean he's they might have had a little bit of concerns or maybe not concerns but just more questions about straight line speed so I think they wanted to see him do that as well so there are questions on him but um, I think a lot like Josh Eaton he has just the size that Grinch is looking for and they're hoping that they can coach uh, the rest of it up to uh, match that uh, physical skill set. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. I'm just going to – I think Ryan is unfairly questioning him because he's from Choctaw. That's my conclusion here. I think if this was a Midwest City bomber, Ryan would be all in. And you're, Look, you're not wrong um, <laughs> at the same time. I'm extremely pleased to see more kids from the Far East side coming into this program. It's great. It's great. An underrepresented area, uh, mostly because of Will Sunderland. That's his fault that it's underrepresented. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. God, we could have used Will Sunderland this year, but let's let's yes. not go back. Sure. Let's not go back to that. That 2015 um, class. Woof. Yeah. So I the I guess football related. Um, Lincoln Riley had a kind of a, a conference today, video conference. Um, I didn't find anything interesting out of it. Um, I mean, there is obviously the ongoing question mark about is there going to be a football season? And I guess I have a couple of questions to you guys about this. And so to me, obviously, worst case scenario is no football at all. So... Am I just crazy to think, like, would it be impossible for football season to just start in, like, November if it had to? Like, instead of just having no football at all, what if it just started two months later? Like, is that impossible? Like, would they consider playing college football games this year with no fans? I would hope they consider it. Right. Um, There's, well, it's, there's a few things. Um, I think the first question is going to be revenue, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, frankly. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's the there's first and probably last question. Yeah, there's um, athletic departments that are, you know, extremely reliant on football um, just right. to make it through the year. But at the same um, a really significant portion of college football revenue is TV rights. I would, like, I don't know what the percentage is um, in terms of, like, gate prices versus TV rights. Um, but I feel feel like it's probably a higher percentage for a lot of schools, especially the struggling schools. Like a place like Kansas is not getting the majority of its revenue from its football gate, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the case for pretty much any Power 5 team. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make the argument with Kansas that they might be an advantage if we play games with no fans. They're already used to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. kidding. I think uh, I really think the NCAA they kind of their argument that you know they're they're for the players and all this stuff they can't be paid cutting out got that Woodward internet connection yeah, no, going on right now my microphone oh. just keeps cutting out for no reason that's wild yeah. Um, but I get sort of get what you're putting down that like the NCAA have established this idea that it that revenue is a really secondary concern. And I mean, it would not be new for the NCAA to show its ass, but right. Um, it does it will feel a little bit hypocritical for them to make decisions primarily based on revenue concerns. Um, yeah. Instead of providing right. an experience to the student athlete. Well, I mean, think about if I, I keep kind of going back to how important football is just to athletic departments. There might yeah. be, and I, I saw this today. I won't act like I won't pretend that this is an original thought, but it, I, I saw that there's a potential of schools cutting Olympic sports because they just don't have the money because they don't have football season. There might be mm-hmm. Olympic sports that are dropped at some schools that can't afford to have those seasons if they don't have the money that comes from football. So this would have a far reaching impact out even beyond just the fans losing the experience of football. They might lose the experience of gymnastics or of wrestling or of other things. Mm-hmm. So um, it would have a ripple effect. So like, would you say like, it, I don't even know if this would be logistically possible, but I, I mean, again, I'm looking at this from a lens of for a lot of these schools and just in general, no football season is worst case scenario. Like there's yes. just no football yeah. played. Yeah. Like, could they not just make it for a year, a spring sport, like rather than not even play football? Like what if it all just happened on like a basketball timeline or even yeah. if it started in freaking February, what the hell else are these football programs doing in February? I think, yeah. Uh, well, there used to be national signing day, but <laughs> right. Um, right. I think something that would be interesting is uh, maybe potentially not having out-of-conference games and then delaying until October or so. Uh, I could see mm-hmm. that potentially happening and then yeah. just having a nine-game or or so season instead of a 12-game season. Yeah. I think that that is – I mean, I guess the best-case scenario is this gets wrapped up by August, but I think that's pretty unlikely. I think that the most realistic best-case scenario is exactly that. Um, which is going to be like, there's going to have to be some schedule juggling um, in places where they save out, where they pocket out of conference games uh, for October. 
such as in the states of Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's it's not going to be impossible. And like the reality is that like there is nothing that can be off the table at this point. This is not. No. We have no this idea. is an unprecedented situation in basic, basically in human history. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you know, there are no bad ideas right now, except for yeah. getting all of your youth drivers into the into a camp <laughs> and deliberately infecting them with the virus. <laughs> that's the only bad idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, that's just the what, what I've been thinking about, like, because I just I don't even want to think about not having a football season like i just it would suck so much oh it would be terrible deep depression um yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and i i know that like obviously there are, i mean if we're learning anything there are definitely more important things sure in the yeah. world but like dude if we're if we're looking at august september november and there's still nothing like that going on can you imagine how shitty everything's gonna be and how yeah. shitty everyone's gonna feel at that point like yeah. It's going to suck. So, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to, to hold out hope. I mean, honestly, I do kind of think that – I don't think that we'll be past this by August, but I kind of feel like we'll be in a position to cautiously have football and yeah, stuff by I'm August. I'm still optimistic in that they'll somehow have, you know, reduced fans or no out-of-conference or something. yeah. So it might it will it will I can definitely think it will be limited, but I don't think it will be completely gone. Right. Um, but maybe that's just me being, for once, optimistic. Yeah, yeah. So we'll. I mean, obviously, we obviously have no idea, but you know, we'll we'll see. Let's let's get into our our main topic, and I do want to give I guess credit and like the idea was kind of born from an SB Nation Crimson and Cream Machine article. So shout out to you guys, whatever. Um, <laughs> so Nathan Nathan sent me this list, and it was top ten most underrated players. Um, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, and there were some disagreements there, um, and which that obviously led to me really wanting to push doing a – overrated player list because that's what i find more interesting i like i guess i like shitting on people more than praising them whatever um maybe that says a lot about me but that's what we're gonna do we're gonna go through a list of underrated players and then we're gonna go to my favorite a list of overrated players and might even throw a coach in there i don't know we'll see underrated coaches and overrated coaches are just simply overrated coaches so We'll see. I'm I'm looking at this espionation or this <laughs> okay. I should say Crimson and Cream Machine article um, for the first time here, and the first two players listed are both fullbacks, and I guess that just really says where I'm at in terms of evaluating the importance of players on this team to where the yeah. general public is. because uh, well, yeah. I think to, or because I think that uh, Jeremiah Hall and uh, Carson Meyer are both very important and very highly rated. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. The and one this... that got me from that list was Curtis Bolton being up at number three on their underrated list because I really don't think Curtis Bolton was underrated. I mean, he didn't do anything for three years, and I think the one year he was good, 
he was very properly rated. Like he had a lot of tackles. He was solid because he had a lot of tackles because there were so many plays for the defense and it was up to him. Like him and Kenneth Murray were the first ones on the scene. It's like, I feel like he was just properly rated for one season. Yeah. He made the best of a really awful situation for one season and now is like in the NFL. This is good. I'm glad you guys are saying this because Curtis Bolton was actually on my list, so I'm glad that this is we have right. some uh, locking up horns here and get to have a, have a good conversation on this. So the reason I had Bolton on the list is, and I said this to Alex, um, is that I thought he was probably the best player on that defense, but he was still overshadowed by Kenneth Murray, um, mm. and he didn't really get much press outside of the, maybe the local press. Um, he didn't really get any national press. Uh, you know, any national buzz. Um, and especially with this year with Kent Murray actually being good and probably being a first rounder, he's just, I thought, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, Curtis Bolden's basically going to be forgotten. Uh, and that's why I kind of thought he was underrated. Cause I think a lot of people will forget that he was on a granted legitimately awful defense. He was probably mm-hmm. the most consistently good player. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point from, from a national standpoint. Sorry. What was that? Oh, yeah. This Go is ahead, Ray. Neil Acasatati at five. So, yeah. I, I, okay. And see, I think Neela is overrated. but Well, yeah, well, other. because they talk about his senior <laughs> season was on that 2015 line that wasn't good. Um, yeah. And once again, let's okay. all remember what that 2015 line that went to the playoff was. Redshirt freshman yeah. Orlando Brown, true sophomore Jonathan Alvarez, Ty Darlington, Neil Casatati, and true freshman Drew Samia. That was a line that played against Clemson in a playoff game. Yeah. Good grief. Okay. So let's yeah. let's get into you guys' list. Alex, where are we starting? I want to start with I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't have a very comprehensive underrated list, so I'm going to let Nathan handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or I'll just going to read my list. At, at overrated. Yeah, let's just kind of go through your list, and I'll see if I have any names. And if you guys have any names that we want to throw in at the end, okay. we can do that. So the way I put this together, and let's all remember that I spent about 15 minutes on this, so it wasn't super exhaustive. But the, reason, the way I put this together was I basically thought about how OU players I feel like are um, thought of as a, from a like a fan base perspective versus how I think they should be thought of. Um, and then I also said to be on the decade list, you had to be on at least one team in the decade. You didn't have to play your whole career, just at least one team. So the first player I had was uh, Quentin Carter, a safety in 2010, who, I mean, any thoughts on Quentin Carter? Should I just go into talking about Quentin Carter? Anyone have any takes on Quentin Carter? Quentin Carter was really good. Like mm-hmm. he was, if I'm remembering correctly, like not an overly physically gifted player in terms of just speed, but like he just seemed to always be in the right place. And we could have used a safety or two like that over the last decade since it's sure. been 10 years since he played at OU. Um, I, I mean, thought, yeah. It- crazy to say that Quentin Carter could almost be on the all-decade team as a safety? I mean, I think it's probably him and Tony Jefferson, right? Like, who else <laughs> yeah. would you put up there? Like, it's been a yeah. shit show I mean, of safety. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, so Quinn Carter was on my team or on my underrated list. Uh, the next one I had was Jamel Fleming, who played in the early uh, 11, 12, 10, that, that time frame at cornerback. This Jamel was, Fleming takes. This was my favorite pick on your list. Because, okay. I, I mean, Jamel Fleming was really, really freaking good. Him and mm-hmm. uh, Demontre Hurst in 2011, yeah. like – the beginning of the decade, we had legit dudes in the secondary, and Jamel Fleming yeah. was one. And I just remember we'll always that like we lost to Tech because he was hurt in 2011. Like he is the yeah. re- like him being hurt was the reason that we lost that game, and because Gabe Lynn was so freaking bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I I thought that was your best pick on your underrated list. No, thank you. Uh, next one, I had Daryl Williams. Uh, he was a right tackle, also in the early part of the decade. And uh, yeah, he's been I like in the NFL him. Also for underrated. He's also underrated from an NFL standpoint. Like he's yeah, he made a Pro Bowl. Very successful. What'd you say? Has he made a Pro Bowl? Did he make? I'm one? not sure if he. I mean, I know he's had some good years. Let me see. I know he, he, uh, his big contract year was the year he blew his ACL, so he kind yeah. of got um, I think he was an All-Pro in one year, but I don't know if he made a Pro Bowl. But All-Pro is better. So. Right, right. I don't know. I don't, I don't follow the NFL quite as closely, so I'm not 100% sure. But he's with the Bills now, so him and Cody Ford are going to be on the same line, which is pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one, Eric Wren, uh, center. Uh, primarily the 2017 team, he notably uh, overtook Jonathan Alvarez, um, who was playing center. Um, and he was a first-team All-Big 12 selection, if I remember correctly, um, for that mm-hmm. 2017 offense. Um, also, just a sidebar on Jonathan Alvarez, he lost out his center job twice to Eric Wren and Creed Humphrey. So congratulations, <laughs> John Alvarez. Oh. I, yeah, I the remember... first time... It was like, man, Jonathan Alvarez was so bad you lost your spot to a walk-on. But then, like I said, Eric Wren was just incredibly solid and a great anchor for that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was – and it gets overshadowed, obviously, because Creed came in the next year and is pretty clearly the best center of the decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And – but, yeah, no, Eric Wren was a really stable anchor – and what was an extremely good line. It was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as good as the one was in 2018. the most but, unsung part of that offensive line, but I think yeah. I don't think he was the worst one on that part. That 2017 line, I don't think he was the worst one. No. I, think he, I would have said Samia was. So mm-hmm. one thing we'll, that get, I, we'll get to Samia later. One thing that I always think here about with, or I remember with Bill Biedenboe talking about Eric Wren was that I think in an interview he said that Jonathan Alvarez was just on paper like a better football player than Eric mm-hmm. Wren. But for whatever reason, that offensive line, that unit worked a lot better with Eric yeah. Wren playing center. And so that that to me is really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. like because once he took over, it was just a different offensive line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime, you know, you saw Jonathan Alvarez, it was like, yeah, things just didn't quite work as well. So right. I just always thought that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's a communication thing or what, but it just yeah. they were better as a collective unit with him. Um, next guy, Devontae Bond, outside linebacker, 
like 15, I know, 14 in that area. He was a Juco guy. Um, mm-hmm. And there, he, I put him on here much the same reason as I did Curtis Bolton, who we mentioned earlier, is that I thought he largely got overshadowed by the guy playing his same position uh, in Eric Stryker. Um, but I thought mm-hmm. he was the better player um, in that people will forget that down the road and will remember yeah. Stryker, but will not remember Bond being probably better and just not maybe as well known. Yeah. I mean, you look at the linebackers who have come after, and it's pretty clear that Devontae Bond was a really important part of keeping those 2014 mm-hmm. and 15 He's bounced around the NFL anchored. for six. I mean, he's kind of been a journeyman, but he's still in the league. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, with Bond, too, like the one year that the Mike Stoops defense kind of worked was 2015. And Mm -hmm. Devontae Bond was on the field pretty much at all times. Yeah. Like he was an every down player in that defense. And, you know, I I remember the, you know, thinking about Baylor that year. Like he was a really important part. The Tennessee game, like he was really good. Yeah. Kind of holding that together. So, yeah, I think that that's a, a quality pick. Um, All right, cool. Uh, next one, uh, Aaron Ripkowski, fullback, early. 20s. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, it's because, um primarily because he was overshadowed by every other fullback that we've had this decade. Yeah, and I think it also really stung that his year to shine was 2014. Yeah, yeah. But look at what we did running the ball that year. Um, right, exactly. Like he was couldn't a, do anything he else, was a but <laughs> absolute monster road grader and him and Samaje were such a punishing backfield. Sure. Um, had a few and, had a few solid years with the Packers. Uh, mm-hmm, so yeah. great beard. Got, got multiple things going on. Okay, next guy, Bobby Evans, right tackle and left tackle. Um, 16, 17, 18. I so this to me is really I, I bet you picked this because he was underrated relative to the other players he played with. Correct. Yep. Because right. he was probably the best lineman on the team in twenty seventeen, but he was Correct. the one that didn't make first team all big twelve. Um yep. however, I I don't know, I think he was relatively well rated by local people. Um I think that you know obviously the from the broader perspective, he was underrated. Um, yeah. I'm also still a little bit mad at him for going pro. This <laughs> You're year. holding it against him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that's the real reason. Let's not. <laughs> let's yeah. Not. Right. Well, but no, I th- I think um, I do think it gets a little undersold um, in terms of him being able to move from right to left and fill Orlando Brown like yeah. that. Yeah. Like that was a big part of the 2018 line being the best line in the nation. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel I, like, I, like I just feel like Creed stepping know, into center and Cody Ford really coming into his own at tackle. Right. I just feel like, you know, I, I was trying try, a lot of this. I tried to think about how they would be thought about, you know, whatever they aren't. So there's not so much recency bias. And I just felt like out of those lines, Orlando and Cody and Creed would be remembered, you know, but people would for kind of forget who Bobby Evans was, even though, like you said, he was probably the best lineman on the team in 2017, which um, was one of the best offenses in college football history. So, and had every right to be also be a Joe Moore award winner. Um, so yeah. that was kind of my reasoning. I mean, 
we can bounce all around. None of the, there's no right answers. There are just definitely wrong answers. Um, so we've talked about Curtis Bolton. The next one I had was Jalen Saunders, wide receiver, 2012-2013. Um, yeah, I have Jalen Saunders on my list. I had, like, every transfer receiver that we've had <laughs> in the yeah. past 10 years. Like, starting with Justin well. Brown's kind of the first one that I remember. And then, like, Geno Lewis, Jalen Saunders, Jeff Bidette. Like, all of them have just been incredibly <laughs> solid and provided a – definite need in what they yes. like the one thing they were good at yeah. yeah Saunders to me was the best um not because he could do I mean he was an excellent receiver he also was a great return man um Justin yeah. Brown was also awesome but we got multiple years of Saunders so yeah, yeah Jaylen, I mean Saunders, Saunders to... return in the Bedlam game in 2013 was the only reason that we were in a position to win right yeah. that was mm-hmm. the awesome. only yeah my enduring memory of Saunders was whenever we were getting our uh, butts kicked against Notre Dame, he had like 13 catches, but yeah. yeah. Well, the thing with, with Saunders too, that makes him underrated is that he really only played about half a season with a competent passing game because <laughs> right. 2013, yeah. we were not competent in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, he had about half of a season with, with Landry Jones who might come up eventually. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the passing attack in 2012 was good. Like, there's no arguing that. And he didn't get to play that entire season either. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about a little bit over half a season that he had a legitimate passing quarterback. Like, I think you give him a quarterback like Baker Mayfield for a season, oh, he God. would have been incredible in yeah, that kind yeah. of offense. You know, he would have been. I bet he would have been like a. I don't know what. I don't remember where he was drafted, but I bet he would have bumped him like two rounds. Yeah. Um, but like, there are so many uh, early tens position players just in college football in general. There are so yeah. many skill position players where you look at them and say, yeah, but if they were in Lincoln Riley's offense, ooh. Jazz Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. Last one on the underrated list. Uh, Gabe Lynn. And I want to specifically say, Gabe Lynn, 2013. Yes. Forget the rest of Gabe Lynn. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gabe Lynn, 2013. 2013 safety. Gabe Lynn. Yeah, safety. I remember him picking off A.J. McCarron. That was fun. Yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, 2013 Gabe Lynn has a case to be made that, like, you know, like Quentin Carter up in the all-decade team, like, he was one of the better safeties we've had. Um, again, not saying much. It's been yeah. a shit Low position bar. for yep. – Yeah. But he was really good, and really, if he hadn't, ha- if Jamel Fleming had been healthy all of 2011, I think Gabe Wynn would be remembered more fondly because he was just so horrendous in that one game um, that it kind of. It was a Julian Wilson Baylor kind of uh, night. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and like Gabe Wynn was solid in 2012 as a nickel too. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. just 2013 him playing safety. Like. You know, pretty much him not playing corner was a good football player. Um, but him, he just him at corner was enough. a bad football player. Yeah. yeah. Didn't have the quicks. Yeah, so that's my underrated list. And that was – I remember when we got Gabe Lynn, I thought he was going to be the next Reggie Smith, and I just was wrong. Yeah. Was just wrong there. Um, all right, yeah, the only other underrated guys, Sam mentioned Geno Lewis – Gino Lewis uh, is a huge one. Like Mr. that Third dude down. 
was the third down machine. Like I loved that guy that year. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, Justin Brown's solid. The thing that I remember with Justin Brown though, is that like he muffed a punt against, was it TCU <laughs> yeah. or yes, something? And that's, that still kind of sticks with me, but like yeah. he was a good football player. That 2012 receiving core was pretty special. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, so enough about underrated. Let's get to. Oh, I'm gonna give a shout Hayden. out to Emmanuel Beal real quick because I think Emmanuel Beal is a good one. It's coaching, a real shame he had to play out of position his entire yeah, career. Yeah, if he were playing with Alex Grinch in 2019, I think he could have had like a. Not saying he's the level of player that like Derwin James or Isaiah Simmons is, but that similar role to where he could just like play in the box, play in coverage, do it all, and it's a shame he had to play for Mike Stoops. Okay. You could say that about a lot of people for sure. Yeah, you could say that about a great deal of people. That was that was the problem that I ran into when I was was throwing together my overrated list is because it was like, yes, this guy was in a defense or this guy's a defensive player and he was not as good as people think he was, but I'm not sure it was his fault. Um so guys like I don't know, Charles Tapper, I feel like is a little overrated from an in terms of what he actually produced at OU, but I, I don't in any way think it was his fault. Um, so I have a hard time including – I did not include him on my list. Um, so I'll just run through a few of the overrated guys that I have. And I'm going to start very recent. I'm going to go with Trey Sermon. Um, yeah, I figured that would happen. Pew, 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 I, think, pew. I think Trey Sermon is just like a replacement level running back. Like Yeah, he's he, solid. He's, he's fine. fine. Yeah, fine. I was impressed with his ability <laughs> so. to you know, walk into competent play as a true freshman. And yeah, that was his, about, best that's year about was, his best year was as a freshman, uh, arguably. Yeah. I mean, he had more yards as a sophomore, but I was more impressed as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. He's an okay football player. We're not going to miss him in the slightest. And if, hey, everybody needs to root for him to start at Ohio State because if he's the starting running back at Ohio State – that offense isn't going to be as good as it was last year. Like, there's just no way. <laughs> going from J.K. Dobbins to... Yeah, it's just not going to happen. So okay. I hope he starts at Ohio State. That'd be great for him. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's slow, okay? We'll leave it at that. Um, the I next one that, that I... Ohio State has a... Their presumed starter is named Master Teague, and I just want to make sure people know that. Master good Teague. Name. Yes. It's a good name. Um, the next name that I have also recent, I'm just going to go ahead. Jalen hurts. Yep. And this isn't necessarily so much from a local standpoint. I feel like he's pretty properly rated locally. It's the guy finished second in the Heisman Heisman voting. He's probably the most overrated college football player in college football history. I That's still wild. see national um, people just slobbering, slobbering all. I, I don't get it. It's a, no. it's the Alabama mystique, you know, lost his job to Tua, but he handled it so well, gracious. Yeah. There's just right. all well, of this yeah. stuff wrapped up. Everybody likes it. him. And it's important yeah. to note that OU's offense, like, fundamentally flawed, especially at the end, but, like, still probably the no, second he's best a in the nation. pretty good college quarterback but is he like one of the best ever no no and he's yeah. i mean he, you gotta give it to him for being he seems like a great teammate people love him i remember there were tweets he's just a great guy all around not even his teammates i remember sure. around the playoff time there are people tweeting like like 
current players, I can't remember if it was college or younger pros that he might have played with, but both, tweeting yeah. about how he was one of the most disrespected and misunderstood men in the games. Like, what are you talking about? Disrespected? <laughs> yeah. He's got nothing but acclaim and I mean, yeah. arguably doesn't deserve much of it. There was literally a college football analyst that said that he was the best quarterback in the playoff when he was clearly the fourth best quarterback yeah, in the playoff. Yeah. yeah. And again, he was a good college quarterback, but he is he's seen at this level that he just wasn't at. And anyway, it's it but it bugged me, but don't want to rip on Jalen too much. Who's next, Alex? Who else you got? So I mean, I'm trying to keep this a little bit chronological, um, but I have Dimitri Flowers. I'm just kidding. I just want to piss off. <laughs> oh, piss off my God. oh, my uh, God. Okay. Now I'm that we've kidding. done that, now that we're past that, let's. All right. So Drew Samia is my next next guy. I never also, really. Also on my list. Yeah. And like he just was always the worst guy on the offensive line. On a, He was like the worst player on a great offensive line for his whole career except for his also, freshman year also he was still good uh, we want to make yeah. that distinction just not he was a good football player just not the not level. great yeah. yeah no his senior year was his best year so at least give him kudos for that yeah yep um okay the next guy i have slightly controversial here maybe i don't know i have gabe eichard oh you're killing me yes also on my yeah list. i feel it well it's it's going to be so easy to line up centers on so this You're going to say though. Ty Darlington, too? Ty Darlington. <laughs> also Like, we already list. said Eric yeah. Green was underrated. Yeah. Um, Pretty much I, every center we had in the 2010s. Is yeah, any any guy, like, Gabe Eichert just at times was not physically big enough to yeah, wasn't strong do enough. the job that he needed to do. I mean, 2012 versus Lewis Nix, he got completely and utterly dominated. Mm. Just happens. You know, Nix is awesome, by the way. It yeah. really makes you think like I know everyone loves Creed, but it kind of makes Creed more underrated that we people don't talk about just how much better he is than every other center we've had. He's yeah. good. Yeah, he's the best center we've had since certainly since John Cooper. And I would probably say he's better than John Cooper. And he's Vince Carter. Yeah. He's probably better than Vince Carter. He's probably the best one we've had in like since I since Stoops got here. And yeah. he can also reverse 360 through the legs. That's okay. Cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> it was a joke. Okay. Well, it went right <laughs> it over my joke. head. It was I, a joke. I would believe it, though. I would so. believe it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we, you know, centers, Gabe Eichert, Ty Darlington, both. They just weren't big enough to, like, fully do the job. They were really good players. They were really smart. They knew yep. exactly what they were doing. Real but dogs, every, real lunch pail guys. Yeah, yeah. Every year coach, that we, well, literally one of them was a coach on the field. Like he really was a coach's yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Every, I, every year that we played with those guys, there were times we just had trouble running the football because they could not move the man. Yeah, they're too small. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I was always really amused by the degree to which Gabe Eichard looked like like Bell. Yeah, that was especially funny. now. It was funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. you slimmed down yeah. Gabe Eichard. Yep. Yep. And I like Gabe Eichert. Like, I think he's a good personality. He was a good player, but yeah. Um, okay, the next guy I have, um, I have Roy Finch. Finchy. That, he was one of my favorite players. running backs. Yeah, and he was not that good. 
I'm just gonna my go enduring, and say it. My enduring memory of Finch was him being asleep in our poli sci class was boring. Uh, just about every week, every class, and he just pulls. He'd get there, he pulls it up, and he just take a nap. He was. He just was not a starting caliber guy, and I never understood the whole. We got to get Roy Finch the football. We just have to get Roy Finch the football. He was a guy yeah. like. You put him in space, and he would dance around and get five yards. He was never going to break along when he did not have breakaway speed. Like yeah, I never worked. really got, yeah, the infatuation with him. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I honestly can't tell you what it was that I liked about him, but I just remember being a decent fan of him. I mean, the one season he was good, he definitely fell off a cliff yeah. after his one good season. But I fundamentally cannot separate my memories of him and my memories of Alex Ross, so that should tell you where I feel about him. Very different football players. <laughs> Extreme, <laughs> but that's the yeah, that's the thing though is that I couldn't tell you which one was which unless they were returning to kickoff. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I might have liked him because in one of the NCAA football games they made Roy Finch like way faster and way more agile than he should have been, and I remember him being nice. really good in one of those. That's yeah. completely likely. That is completely likely. Yep. Um. All right. So the next guy I have. I have Landry Jones, often thought of as one of the more underrated players because he followed Sam Bradford, and people feel like he was underappreciated in that regard. Um, but I think that the overcorrect, the overcorrection has made him overrated. People have gone too far in that direction, and they've forgotten that like the guy was still pretty much a dumbass on a football field. <laughs> Had a cannon though. I, I, uh, how how much of this is recent? Would you say how much of this is experiencing what it's like to have a quarterback who can't throw a deep ball? I'm probably a fair amount, but I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. fine yeah, with it. That's fair. He's I he's just still mustachioed Timmy Chang to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, 20, 2011 Oklahoma State where he just drops the damn football. Right. 2012 Kansas State, where he just single-handedly lost Ooh, us yes. the game. Yeah. Like, we were bringing up some prime Jalen Hurts moments right here also. I mean, that is another – this is something yeah. we did not touch upon yeah, with Jalen. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, That's true. Man, Landry. No. Um, also, just the least athletic quarterback OU's had in the last 20 years, maybe like, I mean, maybe other than Jason white after I was about, there's a guy in the trees. (laughs) DLs. Yeah. I I mean, Nate Hibble almost died on a field. I mean, let's be, yeah, let's not forget. It was, it was crazy that like people expected the Dallas renegades to be good because they had Landry Jones, who was like, (laughs) uh, you know, career backup in the NFL. It's like yeah. the, the way well, the XFL the is going to be like, played. He was like legitimately like the get for the XFL was they yeah. got, oh, they got Big Ben's backup. Like dude got, did, dude did get beat out for that job by Mason Rudolph. Which he got beat out by in. Josh Dobbs. <laughs> right. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Josh Dobbs. Um, yeah. God. Aerospace engineer Josh I feel Dobbs. sad for Landry that, um, no. Yeah. The Major one thing I feel like Landry fine. will never be is like properly rated, right? I he's yeah. Why can't we just Timmy let Chang. the man live? <laughs> That's what he is. Yeah. 
All right, so never let's forget move on. his audible on the on the goal line though. He did oh, audible against West Virginia. That was a good one. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yep, he had the best receiving core in the country and <laughs> managed to produce an okay offense with it. That's great. Um, <laughs> such hate. So the next guy I have, um, I have Eric Stryker. Yeah, I'm kind of talking about it earlier. Like he had a game that he was real good in, you know, the 2013 sugar bowl where, you know, the more and more I think about that game, the more it just becomes unbelievable that it actually happened. Um, just so many weird things happen, you know, Trevor Knight played better than he was obviously, but Eric Stryker too, man, like how the hell did Alabama not completely take advantage of the fact that Eric Stryker was like six feet, 190 pounds. Well, you know, like, I mean, you felt it every time they handed the ball to Derrick Henry. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. The rea- like, the reality is you look back at that game, and um, basically, um, I forget which Nussmeyer it was that completely dropped the ball in terms of that's handing the ball to Derrick Henry for a million yards. Because, ba- I mean, essentially what Oklahoma was doing, what the defense was, like, in nickel or dime, essentially, and blitzing a safety every down. Like... Yeah, which was a we like, you know, you th- because we think of Eric Stryker as a linebacker, it seemed like an orthodox defense, but especially compared to SEC linebackers, essentially he yeah. was a safety. Um, yeah, I mean, look at the linebackers, look at Alabama's linebackers in that game. They're all like 240 pounds. Yeah, I mean, they had they easily had 40 pounds or so on Stryker. Like, the, I think he was listed at 220, but I don't even know if I buy that. I think he was more like 205. Yeah. Yeah, like so, if yeah, if like OU's, we had a safety edge rushing every down, and that was weird enough that it worked. Yeah, no, if OU's defense had like the requisite talent that you need to be a contender, Stryker would have been like a third down pass rusher, and that's it. That yeah, would have been was, his in, only role. Yeah, he would have been Ante Jones, um, except not as athletic. I mean, that's right. basically what he would have been. Like, he wasn't good enough. He couldn't play coverage. Like, when we tried to put him in coverage, he was terrible. Yep. He couldn't defend the run. He had one skill. And, I mean, he never he never even got a shot in the NFL. Like, he was just not that kind of guy. He's like, in the CFL. Yeah. yeah. Like, he just was a guy that he had a, some flashy moments, and he was on yeah. an incompetent defense. And so he was extremely overrated as a result. Well, he, um, I mean, he had a he had a cool name. He yeah, he had an all timer of a name for an edge yeah. defender, and he had and a good that personality. Shot of so. him when he tackles AJ McCarron and then pulls his helmet off yeah. and yells at the camera is that like great. that's worth like fifteen pounds and two inches. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it was a legendary moment. Absolutely. He was a fun uh, player, but he wasn't so as good as people remember him being. Yeah, I, I think that's right. the that's the take. He yeah. he had a very specific thing that he was very good at, and it's almost useless. Yep. Just um, that way, yeah. Yeah. So the a couple more. Uh, I've got Dom Alexander on the also list. On my list. Um, yep. And a, I, this is one of those guys that I don't really think it was his fault. I think in a, in a Grinch-style defense, he would have been a much better football player, but him being a two-gap Playing in a two-gap defense at linebacker, it was just not a good – yeah, it was not a good recipe for success. He was always in the right position. Yeah. But, like, when just you're playing – Yeah, 
you know, he was playing with no aggression. Like you're getting there, but you're not moving. You don't have momentum to take the car- ball carrier down. So he right. wound up just getting dragged a lot. You know. Yeah, he. I mean, he was the Kenneth. He was the Kenneth Murray 140 tackles guy. I mean. Yeah. He had the stats, but if you actually watched it, he wasn't really making an impact. He was getting a tackle and then getting dragged for four yards. I mean, just mm-hmm. watch the game against Clemson. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the but last great instincts. Guy, yeah, really good instincts. He's a he was a good football player. Yeah. But just, just not he was in a bad defense and was was limited. Um yep. agreed. All right. The last guy I have is this may be the most controversial. I don't know. I have Travis Lewis. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I also have and Travis Lewis. Part of this could be because he did play his senior year with like a broken foot and he was just not that good um, as a result. But I also think that pretty much after his freshman year, he was yeah. never the same. Right. Yep. Um, he peaked as a freshman. Yeah, he was amazing as a freshman, but yep. was never able to recreate that. And, yeah, he ne- didn't really have any kind of NFL career to speak of when, you know, I think after his freshman year, you would have thought, oh, this dude's a first-round draft pick, 10-year NFL guy, and that just is not what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's he peaked as a freshman. He had a, you know, he broke the, I think he broke like Vaz's freshman tackle record or yeah. something like that in that 2008 defense and in 2009 we all know was probably the best defense we've had you know since the early 2000s mm-hmm. um and then 10 got worse 11 pretty sub pretty average i mean he just yeah. kind of had the slide so but he's remembered as being you know oklahoma's best uh, linebacker um in a lot of ways since the like layman since curtis lofton since those guys so yeah. Um, and I just don't think he was really I mean, I think the other part is that oh you just had a really weak uh linebacker decade. Um but Thanks, Tim. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um I mean I I think he has a yeah, legacy that maybe is a little bit more than really what he was, at least toward the end of his career. Yeah, I and I just thought of of one more that is it's a recent one. Um, I think Grant Calcaterra overrated. Yeah, I yeah. I had him on my overrated. He's on my list as well. I mean, like, in because not even taking into account you know all the the injuries he dealt with and barely got to play this year, but his one year he got to play. I mean, he made the least significant impact any recent tight end has, and I mean. Yeah. He, he was one of anything. the worst after the catch tight ends I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, that's just now, amazing. That, that was one of the that's the thing with Grant is that all of my memories of his great highlights are in the end zone where he doesn't have to go anywhere once right. he gets the ball. Yeah. He had an amazing ability to get hit harder than any human uh, <laughs> right. as soon as he caught the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that said, he had an amazing Big Twelve championship game in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's yeah. his. That's his whole. That's his legacy. That's his moment. Is he'll be remembered as that catch. Yeah. Um, yep. And good for him. Good for him. But yeah. he's also. He'll always the have the opening. Yeah, great at the opening. Oh, he will great always the have the opening. Y'all, we will not get the opening this year, and it's been watered down the last oh, couple man. summers. But oh, it man. still makes me sad. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I want to I want to throw one more in there. I did mention that we would throw I would throw a coach. And I'm just going to go straight to the top. I think Bob Stoops was overrated. Wow. Okay. Coming out and saying it. Yeah. I and mean, want to ship and this guy guy he should have left probably after like 2009. Yeah. But he stuck around for a long time. So, and he made a, he made a great hire in Lincoln Riley. He did. Also made a ton of horrible hires that put us in the position that we're still not recovered from. He did that so, too. So yeah. So here's my thing on Bob is I think he had really shitty luck in two national championships. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that he very easily could have been a three-time national title coach. But at the same time, I think he cratered pretty hard toward the end of his career. Um, and But the other thing with him is he's one of the few that was able to get out of that spiral. Usually when you're in the death spiral, you don't get out of it. He mostly did and he, by hire, by making a great hire with Lincoln. So yeah, he, he's what a very I complex say, uh, case. I will say is that he assembled one of the worst defensive staff I think you'll ever see. Yeah, and that's the know? thing that and is, it is was, unforgivable. And if he were the coach at OU, that staff would still be intact. That's you know what true. I mean? Like he had, yeah. he was... Hell, Mike like, would have got a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> he was well, I think the thing with... Yeah. The thing with Bob is that it's very difficult to point at what he was good at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly something worked, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, I think his first 10 years were excellent. He had a very bad five-year stretch, um, and he was able to basically get the program headed back in the right direction. And then, like very few other coaches, actually stepped away when the time was right instead of just lo- letting it dip right back down so i think he's complex it's hard to completely rate him but um the the thing i just keep going back to is that poor guy he had two national titles where he had his quarterback hurt and his best uh playmaker hurt i mean i think if he had either of those players in either of those games they would have won those games so say lovey yeah it's fair it's fair but at the end of the, i mean results yeah, what matters, it's, so. it's all what, what what could have been and what ifs. So I think yeah, you're mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. It's it's what did he do and he fell short a lot. That's what he did. Yeah, um, he had the one title which uh, was great, and then but I mean I was seven. No, I wasn't even seven yet. I was six. So yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. I just I find it hard to get a grasp oh, seven. of. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what people think of Bob at this point. And like the, I guess the question is like, if you were to rank OU's coaches historically, where does he fall? Uh, um, third, probably. You'd say yeah. probably, would you say Barry Lincoln, Bob? No, I would say, uh, Barry, Bud, Bud and Barry, Bud, Barry Bob. Oh, I forgot that Bud exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Bud is Lincoln has to probably, win a title before he gets over Bob. Yeah. Um, I'll say, I think in a vacuum, like if you take away, a, I think Lincoln is a better football coach than Bob. Right, but um, he has a title, and, so. Yeah, Bob has the title, so you have to put Bob ahead of him. I get it. Um, but I think it's probably Bud, Barry, then Bob, if you're yeah. ranking. Like, mm. Bud pretty much established what football is at OU. 
Like yeah, he is I, the reason we are what we are. In a yeah. lot of ways, I want to put Barry above Bud, but I think the smart person puts Bud ahead of Barry. But yeah, uh, I, well, those just, two are interchangeable. That's like one A, one B, and then I think Bob's the clear three. Yeah, yeah. For um, now. Yeah, for now. Until for now. Lincoln usurps Until him. I mean, all Lincoln has to do. Is, I think 2021. I think that's the year. But uh, I think. I mean, Lincoln, he has, if he wins one title, I think he's right on that level. So, well, yeah. Um, well, because if Lincoln wins a title, then, like, at that point, really all that Bob has over him is conference like, titles and wins. wins. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just if, uh, longevity well, it's, at that point. If Lincoln wins a title, my takes are going to get reckless <laughs> in, in regards <laughs> to how I feel about him. Well, yeah, well, but you look at, like, so Lincoln steps into what he and Bob have has to rebuild the defense entirely. Meanwhile, wins five straight Big 12 championships and goes to the playoff four times. Right, yeah. yeah. Times. So I think... Four I mean, times? I think Lincoln, Lincoln hasn't been perfect, but Lincoln's been really, really good. Um, and if mm-hmm. he just takes that next step... I mean, I think right. that... What's the, what's the biggest uh, mark on Lincoln's record right now? Keeping Mike for an extra year? I think that like I think that's, that's his biggest screw-up. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think um, if he had done that, he would not have gotten Grinch because Grinch was going to Ohio State. So who knows what DC we would have wound up so up with. Yeah. So yeah, um, we can. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. I agree with Alex that once <laughs> yeah. if Lincoln gets a title, things become very wild very quick. Well, because he's already gotten the team in position as many times as Bob yeah. did. Well, it, yeah, and. Um, I mean, winning a title now is harder than winning a title whenever Bob won it. I mean, think about it when Bob won it. If Bob had won the title, he basically means he would have had to go beat, um, I don't remember who number four was that year, but let's say, I I know Miami was three, so let's say he had to go beat Miami, and then he had to go beat FSU back-to-back. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that wouldn't have happened. That would not have happened. And you think about, you give Lincoln the BCS, I mean, OU, I I think we would have won the championship in the like, 2017 season. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. were oh, yeah. arguably we the best well, team, Baylor. and we're very close to winning it, even with a four-team playoff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it still hurts, but yeah. God, it hurts. <laughs> My God, it hurts. Yeah. It's a rough – it is a rough one. That, um, that, that makes me remember this is something we were tweeting about. I mean, I don't think it would be that good of a podcast topic because, I mean, although I don't know what percentage of people um, know us personally, probably a relatively high percentage of people know us personally <laughs> that listen to this. Um, but, like, just going through our worst memories of being in, like, marching band at OU, yeah. because <laughs> I, I enjoy that infinitely more than, like, oh, I love the first time I ran on it. I hate that shit. <laughs> Um, fuck all these gin zers they're like i can't i can't choose which of my playoff game trips were the best yeah right i didn't get to go to one like get back to me when you went to baylor on a thursday and got demolished (laughs) yeah on a thursday night down and back yeah i slept in the band hall nice yeah it was my, I mean, obviously the Sugar Bowl is the clear-cut number one, but my, the other bowl game trips, 
that I was on was Insight Bowl, um, yep. <laughs> Cotton Bowl against Johnny Football, and the yep. Citrus Bowl. I mean, oh, yeah, that that's a real that's a real lineup there. So the the yeah. Sugar Bowl was the saving grace, no doubt about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I just trying to think like games that I I mean we were there for the Nathan and I were there for the 2011 Bedlam game where they yep. just blew us off mm-hmm. the field. They tried to yeah. throw the field. They were trying to throw the field goal post at us. Yep. Right. <laughs> that um, was fantastic. Were you guys both there for 2011 Tech? Yeah. Oh, we were both there for 2011 Tech. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I remember right. I had I had running I had running ban in that game. I did, I did not ever do running ban. <laughs> yeah. I was smart. So I yeah. Let's I see. whacked a lady in my head in the head with my tuba as I ran by <laughs> her and I did not stop to see if she was okay. I still feel a little bit bad about it. It haunts like, you to this day. It yeah. it had to have hurt really bad because I hit her like pretty square with my bell. Did not stop. I just yelled sorry as I ran away. <laughs> so, um, well, other well, this, bad well, this podcast hold up in a court of law. Oh, future lawyer. Is, I'm this, what's the statute of limitations on that? Twenty thirteen Texas was horrendous. Just the weather. Twenty. Yeah. Uh, and also I mean, losing to Case. The RG three game, whatever year that was. Um, Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah, I wasn't there for that. I was there for that. Um, and that was also the game where we did the uh, Party Rock um, flash mob with the Baylor band. So we had a double. It was a great time. Yeah, it was a double whammy. Uh, oh, man. Um, I mean, the Baylor only, game, 2014. Yes, I only stuck around for Pride for two years, but I can't think of a worse experience than 2014 Baylor. Yeah, that, right. was, that was terrible. Especially because we almost saw Trevor Knight get paralyzed in addition yeah. to getting our ass beat. On your, um, on your home field, that was brutal. The, yeah. Obviously, the Russell Athletic Bowl was painful, but we were already 8-4 and four at that point. I got a free <laughs> yeah. trip to Florida out of it. Like, K-State, it was fine. 2012, when Landry fumbled. I actually called that whenever Landry fumbled, um, jokingly, and then it actually happened. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah. K State 2012 sucked, but the thing, my memory of that is that I had, um, that was my freshman year, and another freshman tuba player who shall go unnamed, um, and that, and then there were three of us freshman tuba players, one of whom had parked their car at Everest, and so we were going to drive back to drop our uniforms off, and we got lost. And we're probably driving around for an hour. Um, and so that was a bad time. That was a bad yeah. night. Yeah. Um, I have the, no the idea. The early part of the decade had a lot of really shitty games. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, and I got to be there for most of them. So yeah. get the... A weird one. 2014 Texas. Because uh, mm, yeah. I just don't understand how we won. And also the weather was strange. It the was. 20, it was yeah. very yeah, hot and rainy. <laughs> yeah. 2013 was the game uh, we lost, and also people were getting heat stroke um, and like yes. passing yeah. out. Um, yes. That was great. Um, yeah. Have, have I ever to got to? Yeah. Have I ever got to rant about the pride now taking off their uh, marching band jackets in the stands no, during do, hot early season games? 
because yeah, it is just the biggest load of bullshit. Well, and they're the one they breathe. Those things breathe. They have. <laughs> yeah, they have the new ones, which are they actually yeah. kind of all right. And like we we're, we're I, out there with like wool sweaters on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate being day. the back in my day guy. Yeah, but, but like, listen, why yeah, don't they I, just I didn't even have a bad band with white snake? Yeah. My my worst was Louisiana Tech my freshman year, which was a fine game. It was hot, but like regular August hot. I didn't have yeah. the what was it UL Monroe game that you all had, yeah. where it was miserably humid. It, it felt like you were playing in Monroe, Louisiana. Right. <laughs> the one I've always heard uh, like legend about was the 2010 Air Force game. That was like a day game, and yeah. how hot oh. that one was. But luckily, I was at I that game. I wasn't that. in school yet. Yeah. I did, luckily, I did not attend that one. So yeah. On the other end of that, uh, 2013 Bedlam obviously finished fine. Yeah. Oh God. God, that yes. was I had, like, miserable. I think existence. I had I had several pairs of socks on. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the one that Honeycutt just about died on the fake field goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Linebacker yeah. hit like directly in the sternum. Yep. Yeah. Was, yeah. And then yeah. Blake Bell turned into Tom Brady, and no one could explain it. That's yep. true. What a great pass that was to the corner. I mean, yeah, all of those, like, the one that will always stick out, like, it's just the worst moment was losing to Georgia for me. Like, I was the only one that was there. Yeah. Um, I was and, attending like, the game, not with the you band, were, but you were I at was the game. there. Yeah. That hurt. It still hurts. Yeah, and that hurts so much. That was, like, the one time I ever shed any kind of tears after a football game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I was sobbing. Like I, I shed a few tears after the game. Like it. Wasn't, I was very yeah. distraught whenever we lost to Tebow. I remember that, but uh, yeah. I was not mm. at that game. But I was yeah. a freshman in high school, I think, maybe a sophomore. I can't remember. But uh, you would have been a freshman. I think I was. In, yeah, because it was 2008. Nah, no, no, no. I it was it was sophomore. Is the is the 2008 season? So it yeah, eight season, season. Oh, okay. Nine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. Okay. Um, yes, I was, I was mostly because it was a it was a double whammy. We had lost a national title, and it was also to Tebow. So it right. was both things. Right. But I thought uh, we were going to win that game. Not to mention the cavalcade of other characters on that Florida team, yeah. oh, but specifically God. Tebow. Right. right. Yes. Basically. Um, it, yeah. Anyway. Rough. I want to talk about the 2015 Orange Bowl, which was. One of the dumbest marching band trips. Uh, it was we very did. dumb. I did not attend that one. Did a lot of practicing for a halftime show that never happened. Um, yeah. And uh, also, we were like leading at the half. <laughs> and we yeah, lost. That people people forget that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sad. It wasn't. It wasn't like I wasn't in the space that like Alex was after Georgia. I right. was passionately angry. At the world and every <laughs> human in it. Yeah. <laughs> that I hated losing to Clemson because I hate Clemson as much as any team in the country other than Texas, which yeah. mm-hmm. LOL. They're um, yeah. Um I'll always hate Shaq Lawson because of that whole just the whole ordeal. Like his personality that week, talking shit. Didn't was he the one that did he get on a team bus to yeah, talk he got shit? On the what bus. was? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll I'll never never be a fan. 
Yeah. I just remember going into that game, like specifically talking to Alex and being like, man, they would make them if we like they'll make a movie about this team. Yeah. <laughs> and then that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. 2017 hurt so much just because I thought they really had a t- chance to do it. Yeah, like that. That, that was 2017 really was the ending of the movie. It was setting yeah. up for the actual good ending, and then you still didn't get it. Yeah, it even had a flu gate. It even had the even had a Baker flu game aspect to it. Right. It had so many different things going on. Yeah. And then they. It had the Philly special before yeah. Philadelphia. Then the yep. fucking squib kick, but. <laughs> God. He had everything. That yeah. whole season had everything. <laughs> yeah, it had oh. the Kansas that... debacle. And Baker's it had the Ohio State getting... Redemption game. Yeah, it had Baker's yeah. jersey coming out like he died at, his, at the senior <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> it, had, oh, um, it had the sneak preview of Kyler in that game, in West, yeah, the West Virginia game. Kyler had two plays on his series, and one of them was like an 80-yard run. God, like that season was awesome. It was great. Too bad it had to. Too bad I had to end on that note. It yeah. had to end, and so it did. Yeah. Um. I'm glad none of. Well, I I was about to say none of us were at the Sugar Bowl, but actually, I was at the. Well, part of me. I think all three Bowl. of you were there, right? My body was at the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh. Was, no, I was not. Wait, what are you talking about? Wait, Sugar was Bowl it the Sugar Bowl? The. the Peach Bowl this year? The P- I'm thinking of the Peach Bowl. Oh, Sorry, yeah. no, I oh, forgot yeah. where it was. Alex and I were I've done my best cool. to forget as much as yeah. I could. Yeah, uh, Sam and I were both at the game. It we was... got plenty of time to explore the beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yep, yep. The entire second half, just walking around, watching shit on TV. Uh, yeah, I did not watch the second half. I drove home. I did not watch it. It was. I still it was never brutal. seen it. It was truly horrendous, um, but which I think it back to to bring us full circle. I think it would have been slightly better if one of my underrated players, Delarian Turner Yale, was playing in that game. That's Just fair. slightly, maybe sure. one touchdown. I think they, so too. I have never seen a team focus on a single player as much it as I brutal. saw LSU focus on Broyles. It was it wherever was he brutal. was, that's where they threw it. Yeah. And um, I mean, kudos to them because it freaking worked. So. Yeah. Got <laughs> uh, it. Um, well, at least they don't have Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, or Dave Aranda anymore. So. No, nope. they have yeah. Miles Brennan. So we'll see how that goes for him. I am very annoyed um, that Texas is probably going to beat like an LSU with like three returning starters in Miles Brennan this year. And they're going to get so much hype. That's probably an oh, observed. Yeah. Well, I'm already bracing already myself prob- for it. Yeah. It's going to be really funny um, because as we discussed on our previous podcast, Texas is replacing both its coordinators this summer. That isn't happening. Yep. They like, didn't have so a spring gonna... with two new systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's just going to be funny. The But I have been fully prepared for like, six months now for them to be like favored to win this conference come the fall and it's going to be hilarious yeah well osu is going to win the national title so yeah right well because they're <laughs> going to have a doke and a bolitnikov 
why can't either of those two schools just chill out? Like, they both <laughs> should be back. And if they wouldn't, like, if they would just go into the season quietly and, like, let their play talk for them, like, I think either of them, like, I think they both will be good this year and should compete for the Big 12 championship because, I mean, how many more can we win in a row? But, right. like, just do it. Fifteen. <laughs> Don't talk about winning a national championship before you've even won the Big Twelve. Right. I agree. Before yeah, there should only be one a... team in the conference talking about national titles. Yeah. Before you've even been to a Big Twelve title game, not even. <laughs> not even. Right. They haven't even been there yet. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I before we go, I do want to play a um a quick game. And it's called How Many Texas Offensive Players Drafted to the NFL Can You Name from the Past Decade? Decade. Sam Cosby. Oh, wait, he hasn't been drafted yet. yet. He's not even going pro. Yeah, he's coming back. Oh, really? Um, Was Malcolm Brown drafted? Let's see. What year would that have been? I don't know, 2014. I don't know. Marquise Godwin, that's one. Um, Marquise Godwin is one. Yeah. He was in 2013. Got Connor Williams, that's two. Do we want to? Do we want to count Garrett Gilbert? <laughs> was, yeah, do he would have been. been he would have been this Gilbert. decade. Um, to, like, let's give him Garrett Gilbert. They need. We'll give him Garrett Gilbert because the joke of as this a, is that this is a, a short list. As a treat. I, I as thought a treat. I had one in Chris <laughs> Obanaya, but he was drafted in the seventh round in 2009. That would have been a that would have been a great pick. I would have been very impressed. So I guess Deontay Foreman was he was probably yeah, drafted. That, ooh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Deont- oh yeah. So you got good you and, got Goodwin and Foreman. Those are their two most recent ones. Oh wait, no, there's one other. So Malcolm Brown wasn't drafted. Okay. Connor Williams wasn't. I mean, Connor Williams was drafted like the third round or something. Yeah, he was second round. Mm-hmm. Um. Little Jordan Humphrey was not drafted. not drafted. Yeah, he was undrafted, which still. Oh yeah, Connor Williams. Connor Williams, sorry. Williams. Okay. How many more are there? How many more are we fishing? For? So you guys have Deontay Foreman, Connor Williams, and um, Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. There's one, two, um, three. There are three more. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my um, gosh, this might take a he, while. I'll give you okay. One of them was a tight Positions. end. One, one of them was, was a tight end. end. Yeah. Was it a good one? <laughs> and he the, also this is the seventh. The, <laughs> this is Mister Almost Irrelevant. Um. Well, actually, so he was the 29th pick in the seventh round by the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Jeff Heath. Who was the tight end? This is um, yeah, Jeff yeah. Swain. Oh, oh Jeff, Jeff Swain. Right. You got Jeff. Jeff Swain. Yeah. I meant, what are the other more. positions? What are the other positions? I'm not going to give you... Well, I don't know. There's. It's really funny that you're forgetting this. They were both in 2010. That's so were. long ago. <laughs> they were both drafted by teams in Ohio in the third round. Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, I sorry, I cheated and looked it up. I'll let them. They were I'll let roommates. Them stew on it. Oh, Cole McCoy, McCoy and Jordan, Jordan Shipley. Shipley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. 
God. Uh, for some reason, oh my God, they were roommates. For some reason, I was thinking it was 2009, but that was the 2009 season, so they would have been drafted in 10. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. drafted by the Bengals and the Browns. How can you be? How how are recruits still going here? Because they're brainwashed. It's a it's a brainwashed freaking. What state. is the, They went from Colt McCoy <laughs> and skipped three years. Their next offensive player being drafted was Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea why anyone would ever want to go to Texas. I have no Brain idea. Washed eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who would want to live in Austin? God. I know. What a horrible <laughs> place. Whoever would ever choose to live there is an idiot. So. Yep. Six Street um, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fun fact about the about Texas is that they had um five, no, six players drafted in 2010. And four of them are in the AF were in the AFC North. <laughs> oh yeah, big Solid. fans. Yeah, Solid. Uh, Justin Tucker. Yeah, the the two who escape or the two who oh actually hang on one two three four five six okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the two six. who escape were Lamar Houston and Earl Thomas. Oh, well, yeah, Earl Thomas is probably going to be and Earl favorite. Thomas is there now, baby. That's true. Wow. What a miserable existence to be a Texas Longhorn fan. Yep. Okay. I think that now that we've had some fun at Texas' expense, it's probably a good time for us to sign off. Um, Thank you for listening to these, the delirious ramblings of some sports-starved idiots. Um, We're going to try and be back whenever we can. Um, if you have ideas, if you have questions or comments, um, things you'd like to hear from us about, please let us know. We have nothing else to do. Um, I hope that you're all staying safe. I hope that you all are respecting the new norms of social isolation. I hope that's going well for you. Uh, if not, you know, reach out to us and we can't help, but <laughs> we'll, we'll be here for you. We can empathize. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not physically, of course. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store um, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at PurdHappily, P-U-R-D underscore Happily, um, at RWMaxi, at NotThatSamDavis, and at Nathan's Twitter handle. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, leave us a review or share it with a friend, and we'll be back with you sometime soon.